So as Christians, we know that the scripture tells us that the greatest love that we can show to someone is to lay down our lives, right? You know the passage, uh, greater love hath no man than he that would give his life for his brother kind of thing. And it's it's one of those challenges, one of those statements that causes me uh, at times to think, okay, I want to have that kind of love. But really, how many opportunities are you and I going to have to take a bullet for someone, literally, to step in front of a train, you know, push somebody uh, out of harm's way in that sense and show our love by uh, actually giving our life. Jesus is the ultimate example. He, he died for the sake of, uh, of us as Christians. Um, so, you know, is that the only opportunity? Is that the only option is those rare occasions when you can literally give your life for somebody? Uh, no, and today as we continue to study Philippians, uh, we're going to see that the Apostle Paul had this zeal for glorifying the Lord and for the good of the Philippian people that is is really challenging. Uh, it's a great example of the mindset of loving others more than you love yourself and being willing to give your life uh, for the sake of others. So we're going to talk about that today. Welcome, everybody. Good morning, Curtis. Good morning, Karen uh, and Vito. Glad you're joining us. Uh, yesterday, we had a little, uh, I had a little technical problem on my end. I couldn't see everybody who was, uh, who was commenting. Today, they all seem to be coming in. So if you're on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to say hello. Feel free to, to ask questions, to comment along the way, and uh, we'll interact together. It's great to, uh, great to do that. Good morning, Jenny. Glad you're with us. Yes, happy Friday. Today is Friday. It's the end of a work week for a lot of people. For some people, it's uh, the middle of the work week or maybe even the beginning or a day off. Who knows? Uh, but we are glad that you are here as we study the Word of God together. If you're new, uh, my name is Doug, and we meet here Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time. And uh, we study verse by verse through the scriptures to really get to know what God's word says so that we can please him and that our minds could be transformed and not conformed to, uh, to the world's standards. Uh, so that's what we're here for. Now, it's Friday, but no matter what day it is, this is true. Today is a good day. Today is a good day. Not just because it's the end of the week, if, if that's the case for you. It's a good day. So you need to go into this day with that fresh in your mind. It's good. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean everything's going to turn out the way you would like. But it's good. And you know it's good because of Christ. Uh, so I'm going to lead us in declaring aloud what the scripture says, what we know is true. And, and we're going to start today by rejoicing. You ready? This is the day the Lord has made. And you say... That's right. We will rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do that. Good morning, Martha. Glad that you are with us as well. Uh, Memetes from Northern Ireland. Now, you're not... Yanyas uh, was on from Northern Ireland uh, recently. He said hello. Do you know each other? <laughs> or do we have, we have two folks from uh, Northern Ireland. That's great. Glad you're with us. And I suppose for you, it's not uh, Friday morning. It's... Uh, it's Friday afternoon, lunchtime or so, right? All right, so continuing on with the book of Philippians. And if you recall yesterday, uh, we looked at how uh, Paul was giving information about uh, where he was and his circumstances. He was concerned uh, that the, uh, the Philippians 
were concerned for him, and he wanted to share and explain uh, that the circumstances he is in is working out for the good of the gospel. Remember that? Uh, he said he's been preaching to the to the jail guards, and it's spreading through the entire Praetorian Guard, all the palace uh, guards of Caesar. They had all heard the gospel, and he wanted the Philippians to know that. And he finishes this with uh, verse 18. This is the section that we looked at yesterday. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Remember, he, he said there were some people who were preaching the gospel simply to cause Paul harm. And he says, I don't really care. If they're preaching the true gospel, if they are proclaiming the glory of the salvation of Jesus Christ, then I don't really care what their motive is. Let them do it, even if it causes me harm. He says, I will rejoice that Jesus is proclaimed. Now, we, talk, we looked at that yesterday. That's, that's a challenge that his greatest priority even to his own detriment, was that Christ was proclaimed. So we're going to pick up here at the end of verse 18. He says, yes, and I will rejoice. See, it's a good day. (laughs) Here's a man who's in prison. He says, it's a good day. Here's a man who's in prison and people are preaching the gospel so that it will hurt him. And he says, I will rejoice. Why? For, he says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay, then we need to pause there. And one of the things I tell you frequently is I want you to know the Word of God and I want you to know how to study the Word of God. So here, let me, uh, let me help you learn how to study more effectively. Uh, I'm using the New American Standard and I would be curious if you would put in the chat, which, which version do you use to read and study most? I'm just curious. Um, and I promise not to, to uh, call, call you out, um, but I'd just be curious what versions. So if you just put in the chat here, what version of the Bible do you typically read uh, in English? Now, if you're uh, from a different nation and you use different, uh, well, yeah, if you use different language, I'd be curious to know that as well. So here in the New American Standard, it says, I know this will turn out for my deliverance. You see that? Now, if you see these uh, little numbers by a word in your Bible, like here, number one, that is an index showing you, usually there's a a cross-reference or in the New American Standard, it's often telling you a different way to translate it. Right? So this word, deliverance, is the word that we normally use for the word salvation. Uh, I'm going to show you this. Uh, let me take you over here and show you what I mean. Uh, so this word deliverance, if I hover here, bring you down, do you see down here? This is the Greek word soteria. Now, some of you have studied enough theology that you know this is a very similar to another word that we use in theology called soteriology. So some of you with uh, with uh, great knowledge, tell me what is soteriology, all right? Uh, so I'm going to go over here and look at your comments for a second and see. Uh, Sopku, oh, she's got coffee, yes. Did I, oh, I forgot to, I forgot to, uh, to taste and see the Lord is good. Well, while I'm waiting for you to respond, if you have your coffee, let us taste and see that the Lord is good. I can't believe I forgot that. Ah. The Lord is good. He is still good. He's always good. All right. So uh, Darren Day says the ESV. Carol says ESV. Curtis says NASB. Excellent, Curtis. 
Uh, Jenny says, I'm actually curious what the best version to use is. Ooh, good question. Um, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, I prefer the NASB because I think it is, it's the closest to the original Greek uh, and Hebrew uh, of any of the uh, modern English translations. And it, uh, it tries very hard to translate rather than interpret. Now, I'm not going to take all morning to go down this path. Um, it's uh, This could be a long, longer session. Um, every translation, every single one, requires interpretation. So there is no perfect translation. Because at some point, uh, when you come to a Greek word, you've got several different ways you could go with it in English. And you have to make a decision based on what you think the author is trying to communicate. Our uh, Greek students in our seminary, uh, it's always great in that, especially in the second year when that's all they're doing is translating. It's great for them to uh, to wrestle with that. And suddenly they're, they're humbled and they realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't criticize these translations so much because it, it's hard. So I prefer the New American Standard for study. For just reading, I actually like the New English Translation. And uh, the NET, you can get it free online. You can get it on websites or on your uh, Bible apps on your phone. And uh, there's some really great translator notes along with the NET that I find uh, very helpful. But for studying, for digging in, for personal reading, I prefer the NAS. Uh, Karen says the CSB, that's the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, Mimetes, am I saying that right? Uh, ESV and Berean Literal. I don't think I'm familiar with that one. I'll have to check that out. Uh, all right, so now we're getting some responses to soteriology. Darren says, and I'm going to put it up to show, yes, Darren says, the theology of salvation. Very good. That's what soteriology is. Curtis got it, the study of salvation. Edgar got it. Uh, Keith is on the road, listening late, but listening. Very good. Glad you're with us, Keith. Yes, yeah, so soteriology is the study of salvation. It comes right from uh, that that English word. Edgar got it. Excellent. Uh, comes right from that Greek word. Let me come back over here and show you soteriology. This is the word for salvation. So all of that to say, when Paul here back in Philippians says, "I know that this will turn out for my deliverance," he's using the word that is normally translated salvation. And you can get that even here in the English. You don't have to know Greek. You can get that because if you hover over that little one there in your uh, in your Bible, in your NAS at least, it will say deliverance. Now, I'm curious. One more thing. Uh, go ahead and put in the comments in the chat here. What uh, what For those of you that are not using the New American Standard, what word does it have here in verse 19? Does it have salvation? Does it have deliverance? Or does it have something else? All right. So while I'm waiting for those to come in, let me continue on with a thought. Paul says, I know this will turn out for my salvation. The New American Standard is making an interpretive decision to say deliverance because that makes us think he's in jail, right? So he's probably saying, I know this will turn out for my deliverance from jail. If he said, turn out for my salvation from jail, then you're going to think he's talking about eternal salvation. But you need to ask the question, is he talking about eternal salvation? It's the word he chose. What would that mean? Right? So do you see what I'm saying? Paul said, I know this will turn out for my salvation. The NAS 
didn't want to put that word, they chose a different one, which is fair, fine, it's a, it's, a, it's a reasonable translation, but the question we need to ask as we're students of the Bible is, what salvation from what? That's the real question. Is he talking about, I know this will turn out for my salvation from prison? Maybe so. And there is something a little bit later in, in our text that we'll see that, that does kind of indicate he is pretty sure he's going to be released from jail. So that may be it, in which case deliverance uh, is a good translation. It helps us to, to think that. Let me uh, check back over here real quick in our, uh, and see. Carol says deliverance, and you said you are using ESV. Uh, so nobody else has answered the question yet. Okay. Well, it could be that he's talking about salvation from prison, but I don't think so. And I don't think it's first and foremost just a generic salvation uh, into eternal life. I think he is saying he's going to be saved from or delivered from the temptation to abandon Christ in the face of death. That's what I think he's getting at. So that certainly ties into his prison and leads to eternal life. Um, but he is very much concerned to hold fast to the truth, no matter what, what happens in this life. Let me show you. I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope. He has an eager expectation and hope. Two very strong ways of saying he wants this desperately he, and he expects it. And notice what he says here, that I will not be put to shame in anything. See that? That I will not be put to shame in anything. That's his hope. He's going to be saved through their prayers and the Spirit according to his hope and expectation that he will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness... Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. That is Paul's greatest concern. That's what he desires more than anything else, is to be found faithful to the end. No matter what, no matter what he faces, no matter whether they behead him or crucify him, or whether he is released and allowed to go on, he wants to be faithful to the end. And he is confident that they are praying for him, for this. Right? That's what he says. I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and through the spirit of Jesus Christ. Christ's spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, will empower me to be faithful to the end. I will not be put to shame. I will, I will not abandon Christ no matter what happens in my life or my death. Now, that's challenging because that is his greatest concern here. He wants to be faithful to the end. This is the right posture for all of us. And it should also inform our praying for missionaries who are in harm's way. We tend to pray first and foremost uh, that they would be released, right? When we, when we hear stories like we, we spoke of yesterday of brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and other hostile places to the gospel, uh, we hear about the underground church in China and, and all over the place where they're suffering for the cause of Christ, our first inclination is to pray for their safety and their deliverance from harm's way. 
And again, I'm not suggesting that we don't pray for those things. But is that a gospel priority to pray for their rescue? We don't see that in scripture. We don't see in the New Testament that the highest priority is that they would be delivered from pain or even death. Instead, the highest priority in the New Testament is that they would be bold in sticking to the truth, in proclaiming the gospel, even if it costs them their life. And we don't pray like that sometimes because that's not always our priority. We put ourselves in their position. We think, oh, what I would want is to not be killed, to not have my house burned down, to not have my family killed in, pr- in front of me. And, and those are serious things. I in no way want, want to diminish them. But the gospel priority, Jesus's priority for us is that we are faithful to him, even if it costs us everything. Give our lives for him. Lay down our lives for him. And if that's our priority because it's the Lord's priority, then it should be the priority of how we pray for others who are um, in harm's way for the sake of the gospel. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge to me. Uh, I guess I expect it's a challenge to you. Uh, let me show you that this is not uh, this is not just Paul. This is the, the biblical teaching. See, in, in my NAS here, these are uh, red letters. And that means uh, the interpreters believe it's the words of Jesus. And indeed it is. He is in the context of teaching uh, his disciples who are going to uh, face persecution for his sake. And here's what he says. This is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 and following for those who are listening on the podcast. I need to keep reminding myself that not everybody's watching this and I show you things and tell you things and then realize, oh yeah, there's a lot of people that are actually listening to this later. So... Matthew 10, do not fear those who kill the body, so that's people who can take your life, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him, capital H, that's that's God, fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. See what Jesus is saying? Don't be afraid of someone who can simply kill you for the cause of Christ but instead have a greater fear of God who can both kill your body and your soul. And he says, look, you are not two sparrows sold for a cent and, are, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Your life is in the hands of God. And if it's your time to fall, then that's the, that's the father's will. So fear him. He's the one that has the power to decide whether you stay in the tree or you fall to your death kind of thing. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. God is so sovereign and so in control of all things of life that even a bird doesn't fall to his death apart from the will of the Father. So you who are worth so much more, your death is not going to come unless it's the Father's will. You see that? And I always have to laugh at this. I, I don't know why this strikes me as so funny, but when Jesus says, do not fear for you are more valuable than many sparrows. My strange mind always says, how many? <laughs> how many sparrows would it take to equal the life of a human being? I don't know. That just always strikes me funny that Jesus said it this way. But then the Lord says this, and this is a sobering comment. Therefore, everyone who confesses me 
before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. So if someone is coming to take your life and they say, renounce Christ or die, Jesus says, if you say, I refuse to renounce Christ, I will declare Christ. I will be loyal to Christ. No, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. If you'll do that before men in the face of persecution, he says, then I will confess you before my father. But what about the coward? What about the one who shrinks back? It's a different story. He says, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. Stakes are really high. When it comes to giving it all for Christ, the stakes are really high. And he says, be faithful to the end. If you fall back in shame, then I will be ashamed of you before my father, Jesus says. It's pretty serious. And Paul wants to be found faithful. And so he says, I know this will turn out for my salvation from that. I will not give in to the temptation to renounce Christ in the face of persecution. He says, my earnest hope and expectation is that I will be delivered. I will not be put to shame in anything. But that with all boldness, even here in prison, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted, whether by my life or my death. And that, he says, is my cause of rejoicing. I rejoice because I will not give in. I know I won't give in. Because the Spirit of Christ will empower me and your prayers, you are praying for me that I'll be faithful. Again, very practical application here. As you pray for missionaries, as you get reports from people in the field who are uh, in harm's way, pray not just for their deliverance, but in the, in the sense of del- being delivered from their pain and suffering and, and persecution, but pray that they will be bold even in the face of death. Now, it's, it's like Paul has to, to justify again, why is this re- cause of rejoicing? And now we come to the, a section that we know so well, but we need to make sure we keep it in context. He says, for to me, and this does not mean in my opinion, in the sense of uh, this may or may not be true. No, no, he's saying very personally for himself, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, Let's pause for a second. The the dying is gain part is pretty easy, right? To die means he goes to be with Jesus. He goes to heaven. Well, we can all relate to how that's gain. And especially when when times get tough, especially when we are just having a a rough time of it. And if you were in the position of suffering persecution, it'd be very easy to see how death is gain. But what does he mean that to live is Christ? Christ. Well, he's going to explain that to you. If I'm to live in the flesh, that is in the body, if I'm continuing to be alive here on planet Earth, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I don't know which to choose. That's astounding. That's astounding. He says, as I ponder whether or not it would be better to stay here in this life or go be with Jesus, I'm kind of torn. Because if I die, that's very good. I get to go be with Jesus. But if I stay alive, then that means I can bear more fruit in my work. 
And he's going to tell us what that work is. Look at verse 23. But I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. Isn't that what we all want? It should be what we all want. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't want to go yet. Life is pretty good. Uh, You know, I want to wait and see who my children marry and see my grandkids. And there's just a lot of fun and and happiness to be experienced yet. So, uh, you know, I want to go and be with Jesus, but not quite yet. And then hard times come and we think, okay, yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready to go uh, be with Jesus. But he's he's not talking about hard pressed because there's so many great things to enjoy in life. And yet I want to go to heaven and I can't decide that. No, that's that's not what he's getting at, right? He says, I'm hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to go be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh, that is to remain on in this body, is more necessary for your sake. He is so preoccupied to serve these Philippians and to do what they need in their journey with Christ that he says, that is necessary. That, that's important. So he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So he's not contemplating suicide. Some people say that. that that's crazy. He's not contemplating suicide. He's just kind of wrestling with if he had the choice of going to be with Jesus or staying alive, which would he choose? And basically he's saying the right choice is to stay, not so he can enjoy things of this life more, but for their progress and joy. That's what he says, right? I, I know I will continue. He's, he's convinced the Lord is going to deliver him from, uh, from prison to keep ministering to people. And they will progress their love for Jesus and their knowledge of Jesus and their joy in the faith will grow and continue on, and that their proud confidence in him, so your proud confidence in me, may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. It's all about the Philippians because of his desire and zeal to exalt Christ. Think about that. It's a challenge, isn't it? Again, there's so much we are told to enjoy. If you were with us through the Ecclesiastes study, we are told there by the word of God, enjoy eating, enjoy drinking, enjoy your spouse, your family, your work. As you go to work today, or if you are working today, or if you're at the end of your work today, um, enjoy it. We, we, we don't remove ourselves from those things for sure. But here, the Apostle Paul places all of this in an eternal perspective. And he says, our first and greatest pursuit has to be to exalt Jesus above all else. You know, here at Cross Crown Ministries, our tagline is intentionally Christ obsessed in all things. That's how I want to live my life. That's what I, uh, what I teach. That's, that's why we minister. That's why we do these Bible studies and, and other studies and, and have other aspects of our ministry. It's why we have a seminary. We want to train up church leaders and good Bible students and, and pastors and elders to be intentionally Christ-obsessed in all things because that's the call of the Christian. Whether in life or in death, everything is about exalting Christ. I wrote a book about this. It's called Exalted, putting Jesus in his place, giving him first place in everything. That's, that's why we exist on planet Earth. 
And I, I tell you, I think the Apostle Paul has set an example here that uh, is unparalleled in all of church history. That He says, I want to die and go be with, with the Lord, but more important even than that is to remain on and make sure that you are growing in your faith and that produces greater joy in your life that you will exalt Christ above all things. And he says, so I know that's what's going to happen and, and I will rejoice in this. This is right and good. I'll delay my own pleasure uh, going to be with the Lord. And again, it's not that it is, it's his choice, but he says, I'm convinced it's going to happen and, and I accept this and I, and I welcome it. I'm going to delay that going to be in heaven, not so I can just have a good time here, but so that I can see you grow in your faith and joy. What do you think about that? Any reflections, any comments, any questions about any of this? Is this a challenge for you? It's a challenge for me because uh, there's a lot of things I right now, you know, there's a lot to enjoy in life. Think about this day and age we live in. Uh, a lot of comforts, a lot of pleasures that Paul couldn't even dream of. We have temperature control. Uh, we're advancing in medical science. We have all kinds of entertainment, lots of good experiences. We can now communicate with people all over the world via video. We don't have to travel over there. We don't have to take these long, hard trips. We can interact on, uh, on social media and online phone call, all those things. There's a lot of good things happening in life. Is our highest priority seeing other people grow in their knowledge of Jesus, their love for Jesus, and their joy? It's a challenge. So I challenge you, as the Apostle Paul challenges me and challenges all of us, as you go through this Friday, again, whether it's the end of your work week or in the middle of your work week or not even a work day at all, whatever you are doing today, how can you have the mindset like Paul that says, in my life or in my death, what matters more than anything is exalting Jesus, pleasing Jesus, and laying down my life for his glory and for the good of others. And you and I are not, most of us are not going to be faced, maybe ever, with the the crossroads of renounce Christ or die. But we can have the attitude that Paul had and says, okay, I don't have to literally give my life here, but I will give my days and my time and my efforts to see that others come to faith in Jesus and that they grow in the knowledge and joy of Christ. That's my challenge to you and to me. And uh, until Monday morning, uh, may you grow in that conviction May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be abundant to you. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. God bless.